Hi, this is Stuart Weems and welcome to the Investopoly podcast. My goal is to give you simple, easy to understand strategies, insights and tips to help you master the game of building wealth. And in this episode, I'd like to share with you three alternatives to putting your cash in a bank account. It's surprising to think that only 10 years ago in 2011, that savings accounts were offering over 5% per annum. However, today, you're lucky to get much more than half a percent, (laughs) 10 times less than what you were getting. I mean, that's not even going to keep you up with inflation, uh, let alone give you an investment return. So many investors are thinking, well, what what else do I do with my cash savings? And that's the topic of this podcast. Of course, with this uh, topic and podcast and really all my other podcasts, uh, of course, I don't know your personal circumstances, um, and so the information that I include is general advice only. Um, I say that because uh, quite often um, we can be tempted just to chase returns, and that might not be appropriate. So sometimes just leaving the money in the bank, even though it's earning virtually no interest, sometimes that is still the best approach depending on your risk profile and situation. So that's why I put that warning out there just to be careful. So the first alternative I'd like to talk about is putting money in a linked offset account. Now, of course, this is only available to anyone that has a variable rate mortgage. Um, But given that home loans are between really two, close to 2% for unoccupied loans and so three, three and a half percent for investment loans, that is uh, variable interest rates, Uh, given that's the case, it's going to make or save you a a lot more money than than what you'd get if you just put money in the bank. So really, that's the best place for any surplus cash flow. Of course, you should offset non-deductible debt, your home loan first. Uh, Once your home loan is fully offset, then of course, um, put any surplus cash flow directly into any uh, variable rate investment loans. Uh, sometimes people worry and say, look, Stuart, that's okay, but it's going to reduce my negative gearing benefits. Um, uh, and, and I've invested in property to save tax. Well, hang on, you've invested in property to build wealth. Saving tax is uh, just a positive consequence of doing that. So let's not get too focused on that. Uh, and I would have really uh, two comments in respect to uh, anyone that's concerned about that. The first one is that uh, firstly, um, when interest rates are sort of three-ish percent or very similar or close to what the rental yields are, uh, your negative gearing benefits are, are um, not very material. Sometimes uh, there's no negative gearing benefits anymore because interest rates are so low. Uh, so we're only talking for in dollar value, we're not talking about uh, a lot of money. Uh, secondly, uh, if you put your cash elsewhere, unless you've got a, a spouse uh, that's on uh, very low or no income, in which case then you can um, invest in their name and potentially pay no tax. But putting that aside for a second, if you invest it elsewhere, you're going to pay tax on the returns. So uh, versus if you put it in your investment offset account, you'll save interest, but then you'll reduce the tax deductibility of that interest. You know, you'll have less interest to tax deduct, for example. But in both scenarios, both have tax consequences, so they net each other out. So it's really just about looking at your gross return. Um, If we put it in an offset account, an investment offset account, we're saving three-ish percent, and that's a risk-free return. So there's that is that there's that's guaranteed. 
virtually guaranteed. Whereas if we invest in other areas, uh, you know, it's not guaranteed. There's some risk associated with it. So you need to take that into account as well. So the first option is offset accounts attached to mortgages. Uh, second option, and I'll, I'll give you these options in order of uh, kind of risk, if you like, from low risk to, to higher risk. Obviously, the offset account is no risk uh, because you're always going to save the amount equal to the interest rate. Uh, option two is to invest in government and treasury bonds. So if you don't know what a bond is, essentially it's a loan instrument where the investor is the lender and the borrower is the issuer of the bond. So essentially, uh, federal and state governments issue bonds to raise debt, and you can be the investor in those bonds. So essentially, you're lending to the government, if you like. Uh, most states either have a AA or AAA rating, which means the bonds are extremely low risk. Uh, virtually no chance of default. The federal government has retained its AAA rating, which is the highest rating, uh, despite increasing you know, the amount of debt that they've increased over last year as a result of COVID. Um, so they're very safe instruments. Um, Australian government bond index funds uh, are yielding in the range of two and a half to three-ish percent at the moment. So it's a lot better than uh, deposit rates uh, and arguably uh, almost commensurate in terms of risk profile as well. Uh, international bonds tend to yield lower than Aussie bonds and then also they have foreign exchange rate risks as well, particularly with the appreciating uh, Australian dollar. So probably best to stick to Australian government index funds, uh, which are a cheap, very diversified way of, of getting access to that bond market. Option three, if we sort of move up the risk scale a little bit, is Australian corporate bonds. Uh, so corporate bonds are very similar to obviously government and treasury bonds, but the issuer is typically large listed companies, which can be the banks, uh, um, BHP, uh, Coles, these sorts of issuers, for example. Uh, they tend to be, well, no, they almost always are investment grade rated, uh, particularly if we're investing through corporate bond index funds. Uh, which again means that they're rated uh, triple B minus or above, which is investment grade rating. Uh, again, there haven't been uh, any defaults on investment grade debt, uh, corporate debt in Australia, um, at least in the last 20 or 30 years. So it's not uh, not guaranteed, it's not risk-free, but again, it's, it's very low risk. Uh, corporate bond index funds are yielding between, say, 3 and 3.5%. Uh, sometimes more depending on the type of, of funds. There's different funds out there. Um, uh, you, you just need to be mindful of, um, you can have a, a bond can have a floating coupon and a fixed coupon. It's a, If it's a fixed coupon bond, that they're typically trading above par value, um, which can be uh, can be higher risk because obviously you're only going to get par value when the back when the bond matures. Um, so if you're overpaying for that income stream, uh, that, that impacts on the return. Uh, but most corporate uh, bond index funds uh, are dominated by floating rate bonds, uh, so that's less of a concern. Option four is to invest in hybrid securities. Uh, hybrid securities are typically issued by the Australian banks, and they're an instrument that have characteristics of bonds and shares as well. So it's kind of in between bonds and shares, if you like. 
So, for example, there will be events in the contract that will um, trigger a conversion to shares to full equity, for example, if uh, a bank's liquidity starts to become questionable, those sorts of things. So they're not pure um, uh, fixed interest, so not pure bonds, and they're not pure equities either. But they pay a, uh, a fixed uh, return, uh, typically uh, tracking the bank bill swap rate, uh, so they'll pay a fixed margin um, over and above the bank bill swap rate, which is close to zero now anyway. Uh, and the um, coupon, so the payment, the interest payment, if you like, uh, is fully franked or tends to be fully franked. So it has some franking credits uh, associated with it. So um, it improves the pre-tax return of that investment. Uh, I wouldn't recommend investing in hybrid securities directly. I mean, I almost never re uh, recommend investing in direct shares in any case anyway, uh, but there are some actively managed uh, hybrid funds that are quite good, uh, and essentially what they look at is that they invest in uh, hybrids that are so far away from any conversion or likely conversion uh, to obviously reduce the portfolio's risk. Um, and they'll look at how, at what valuation these uh, securities are trading as well and look for opportunities to kind of arbitrage the market a little bit. So it's a good way of not necessarily improving returns, although it does, but mostly managing the risk of the portfolio. In any case, actively managed hybrid funds are currently yielding about 3.5% uh, as a gross return, gross pre-tax return. Uh, so sort of towards the upper end of um, corporate bonds, which was option three. Option four is to invest in uh, what's called real estate investment trust or infrastructure investments. So infrastructure, let's talk about that one first. Uh, that essentially involves in investing in listed businesses that um, operate high cost assets such as toll roads, uh, communication assets such as towers and so forth, airports, electrical systems, you know, these very large kind of infrastructure assets. Uh, these investments typically um, generate predictable and stable income returns. Um, and in a low interest rate environment, because they typically hold a reasonable amount of debt, uh, they tend to perform uh, really well as well. Of course, uh, such assets have been impacted negatively by COVID, so the valuations of these assets have been impacted because, uh, as you can imagine, as people aren't using toll roads as much, they're not travelling through airports and so forth, uh, the income and, as a result, the attractiveness or the popularity, probably better explained, of those assets have been impacted. Uh, so I think they're good. Uh, they're certainly um, trading at good valuations at the moment. Uh, and potentially have a little bit of capital upside as well. Uh, in terms of income, uh, these assets tend to yield between 3 and 4%. Again, it's relatively predictable um, and stable sort of returns uh, apart from an event like COVID. Although if you're investing in a, a fund that's very well diversified, obviously that lessens uh, your concentration risk to things like the impact of COVID. But 3 to 4% for infrastructure... Uh, and then there's real estate investment trusts, which essentially hold, uh, invest in large real estate assets. They are often referred to as REITs, which is a, an acronym, R-E-I-T, uh, obviously real estate investment trust. Uh, so I don't like to invest in Australian REITs, uh, mainly because they have um, too much exposure to retail property. 
uh, even on a look-through basis, uh, it tends to be a, a higher level. Uh, and I'm not sure I really want to have too much exposure to that uh, sector. Uh, whereas international REITs tend to be a lot more diversified. Um, they'll be investing in holiday parks, res- resorts, these sorts of uh, things. Again, these some of these assets have been negatively impacted by covid um, and you would naturally be thinking, well, what about Office Stewart with the work from home movement? Although I don't, I think that's been well and truly overstated. Um, well, again, if you have a really well diversified REIT, uh, you're at least going to take uh, some level exposure to that asset class, sub asset class, but uh, not a significant one, um, which is important too because you know everyone's full of predictions. Uh, as Buffett says, um, uh, economists will fill your ears, uh, but never your pockets. You know, so everyone has predictions, but whether they're going to be right or wrong, well, mostly studies show that they're wrong. So um, we should just take a diversified approach in any case. Uh, global REITs, depending on um, uh, their hedging process and the tax consequences associated with that, tend to yield between 2 and 4%. I know that's a big range. Um, but the good ones sort of closer to the upper end of that range. Um, And lastly, option six is to invest in shares. Um, And there are some um, exchange-traded funds and index funds that focus on uh, high-yielding shares. Um, So that is that they're investing primarily to chase dividends. Now, I guess a word of warning if we're investing in shares to generate income is, uh, firstly, nothing is guaranteed. There can be volatility in actually the share, so the profitability or payout ratios, as we're seeing with the banks, although I think they'll, they'll um, be back on track uh, um, in the near future anyway. Um, but these things can change. They're not predictable. Uh, and of course, also, as we're seeing through COVID, the value of your investment can change significantly as well. But if you are in the position to tolerate a high level of volatility, uh, that is that you um, won't need to divest of those assets within the next, say, five to 10 years, so you can take a long-term approach, uh, then it could form a good part of your strategy uh, to invest in in shares purely for income. As I said, there are a number of low-cost index funds that focus on maximising dividend income. And on a gross pre-tax level, so including imputation credits, currently they're yielding in the range of 55 to 9.5%. Um, so pretty strong incomes there. But of course, uh, you can't accept or expect a higher return uh, if you're not willing to take a higher risk. And when I compare them to, say, infrastructure, cor- uh, corporate and government bonds, uh, there are on a completely different risk spectrum. So, of course, I said initially the first option being putting money in offset account is probably the best option. Um, But I think that there's um, a point uh, when people can have um, possibly too much uh, money in offset. Uh, That is that it's not really working hard enough for them. And I guess there's two competing considerations to take into account. The first one is that the best time to repay debt is when interest rates are low. And arguably, there's a nice window of opportunity over the next, say, uh, three to five years where interest rates are going to be incredibly low. And that then allows you a great opportunity to repay debt that is put money in offset account. um, And we shouldn't uh, waste that opportunity. Uh, Conversely, in the long run, uh, the competing uh, consideration is that um, it's likely that if we invest in other assets, 
um, it's likely that we can generate a higher income or it won't be difficult to generate a higher uh, either income or return, so it could be um, growth as well, uh, than what we're currently paying in mortgage interest rates. So if we're paying 3%, um, what's the chance if we invest over the next 10 years in uh, alternative assets that we're going to generate more than 3%? Well, I'd argue that um, that's probably not a difficult task to do. So there's kind of a tipping point, I think, and it's going to depend on your circumstances, uh, where you, you start to have almost too much money in offset account, and it starts to make sense to um, put that to work. But with most things, like most, thing, most things in life, moderation, diversification is typically the best approach. So using a combination of the six different strategies that I've outlined uh, in this podcast typically is the best approach. But ultimately, the correct allocation is really going to depend on you know, your cash savings amount and it's going to depend on your financial position, investment strategies, goals and risk appetite. But hopefully that gives you a bit of food for thought. Of course, if you enjoy listening to the podcast, it'd be great if you could do one or both of two things. Uh, Firstly, leave a rating uh, or review on where you listen to your podcast, whether that's Apple or uh, elsewhere. And secondly, please share. Please tell your friends and family that uh, also might enjoy listening to the podcast. Uh, The more people I know that are are listening, the more I know that my time and effort is worth uh, contributing to producing uh, more materials like this. So that's it for me. And until next week, bye for now.